Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. We thank you that you choose to reveal yourself to us through your creation. We can look up at the night sky and see the vastness of the universe and know that you're even bigger than that. And know that you are the one who spoke those stars into existence. Lord, we're thankful that you revealed yourself to us in that way and you also reveal yourself to us in your Son and through your Word. Lord, we thank you that because you reveal yourself to us in your Word, it is living and it gives us life. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm sure all of you knew this already. I'm sure this is not a surprise to any one of you here. But that arcade-type game where you maneuver the crane to try to drop it down and pick up a stuffed animal, that's a scam. <laughs> sure, they set those stuffed animals up so they look so easy to pick up, but the problem is not how the prizes are situated. That's not the problem. The problem is that the crane to pick them up is what? It's way too weak to actually pick those things up. You put it right over the stuffed animal. You let it drop. It's right, it, it, it's right around the head of that stuffed animal. And then what? It starts to come up and it just goes, and it just comes up. It's way too weak to actually pick anything up. Keep enough of a good grip on them as it brings it over to where it would theoretically drop it and then actually drop it. It doesn't have enough strength to do that. We're going to be talking today about the fruit of the Spirit known as peace. We know that peace exists and can be had. We can see it. We know we can have it on a permanent basis. We can see it like those stuffed animals so desirably set up. And we say, I can have that. I'm so close to having it. We can imagine how good it would feel when we can make it ours. And the problem is that it's not that peace doesn't exist. That's not the problem. The problem is that the methods we try to get that peace, like that crane, are far too weak to actually attain it. Like joy, like we talked about last week, there are many versions of peace that look attractive. But only one peace that will fulfill and last. We'll see what peace is not and what true lasting peace really is and how we can have it. Any belief that promotes the thinking that you can... Uh, create peace within yourself is not promoting actual peace. There are many versions of peace because we as humans, like joy, have built into us a God-given desire for peace. The problem is that we think we know what it is. And we come up with all sorts of ways to get it. That's the problem. All these different ways, from Buddhism to New Ageism to multiple gurus who teach a message of unlocking your inner peace, will all fail because they're all focused on the wrong thing. 
All these other religions and philosophies focus on trying to make yourself the source of peace. And that is why it will always fail. Any belief that promotes the thinking that you can create peace within yourself is not promoting actual peace. That's a fleeting feeling connected to this notion of self-empowerment, and that will always fail. Because we as humans always fail. That crane of self will always be too weak. Likewise, any belief that promotes the thinking that peace can come from the environment around you, you just have to create it, will always fail. Because again, you're the one that's based on. Say you just don't feel like it, or you're just too tired to create peace around you. Does that mean you just, you just can't have peace that day? It's just impossible. When it comes down, what, what it comes down to is that any version of peace that claims to come from you is not peace at all. It's an artificial peace that comes and goes with your mental tenacity, circumstances, and how you're feeling at that moment. You will always be chasing after that version of peace. So what is real, true, lasting peace? And here's the question I think we all have on our minds. How do I get it? What is it and how do I have it? First we're going to talk about the basis of it, the, main, the meaning, where, uh, what, what, what it all comes down to. Both the manifestation of peace and the method of gaining peace are derived from the same source. We discover this in 1 Thessalonians 3.16. Paul says, Paul refers to God as the Lord of peace. That shows us a lot. And it's really the key to what peace really is. Similar to love and joy, maybe some of you see where I'm going with this. Similar to love and joy, God is peace. God is the ultimate standard and definition of what peace is. If you want to know what peace is, look at God. God is never thrown off his game. God is never thrown into an anxious tailspin, biting his nails and wondering what's going to happen. God never doubts. God is never inconsistent. God never fears anything. God does nothing rashly. God never needlessly starts fights. God knows he has a perfect plan. And that's never going to change. He knows he has a perfect plan. And he knows that he is orchestrating things for that perfect plan to come to pass. So in short, God is always in a state of peace because God is peace. So if you want to know what actual peace looks like, and you want to see an example of it, look at God. 
That's what ultimate peace is. If you want to know what actual peace feels like, look at God. That's the most basic, but at the, mo- at the same time, most multifaceted definition of what peace is. Anything that is fear-driven, pride-driven, or selfish is not peace. For that does not come from God, does it? Since God is the definition of peace, anything we feel that does not agree with who God is, is not peace. If Satan disguises himself as an angel of light, which we know from God's word he does, then there's nothing stopping him from trying to whisper in your ear and instill a counterfeit version of peace that doesn't actually agree with who God is. This attribute of God known as peace is seen quite transparently in what he originally wanted for humanity. When God originally created Adam and Eve, he placed them in a peaceful garden where every evening he went on peaceful walks with them. Everything was in peaceful balance. Boy, what you wouldn't give to be there and do that, right? It was only when sin was introduced that things all of a sudden got thrown out of balance and things were not peaceful anymore. Instead of going on their usual walk with God, Adam and Eve's shame forced them to hide from God. That destroyed peace soon spread to the rest of humankind throughout all the ages. It took the form of murder, war, disease, and destruction that has ravaged thousands of years of human history. But even with that in mind, what state does God want to return humanity to? Peace. God's whole plan is leading humanity back to peace. Back to a peaceful state. During the millennial kingdom, when Jesus rules on earth, what will be one of the greatest greatest characteristics of his reign in his kingdom? Peace. There will be no war, and every crime will be met with swift and perfect justice. The world will finally see peace and prosperity. This passage is often read at Christmas time, but it describes what it's describing is Christ's rule during the millennial kingdom. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, what? Prince of Peace. There will be no end. Listen to these words. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. There will be no end 
to peace. So that's the definition of peace. God. But that doesn't help us much in having it because we're not God. So is there any way for us as human beings to have this same kind of peace? Yes, but again, it cannot start with us. The problem is us thinking it starts with us in any way. It can only start with God. So we have the meaning. Secondly, we have the method. Here's the problem. When humanity sinned, we set ourselves against God. And since God is peace, we set ourselves against peace. Our sin brought separation between us and most holy God. Because God is holy, His wrath is set against us and our sin. Scripture tells us that we were enemies of God by our own choosing. It was only through our love for God and belief in a foretold messianic redemption that we could be justified before God. However, there was still this separation between humanity and God, no matter how righteous you strove to be. But since God is the God of peace, He decided to make peace with us, and peace in every extent of the meaning. Like we talked about last week, there is a big difference between forgiving a criminal and making that forgiven criminal an intimate part of your family, isn't there? There's a big difference. Yet that's what God's grace did for us. That's the ultimate definition of making peace with someone, isn't it? You can forgive somebody, but there's a big difference between forgiving somebody and making ultimate peace with them and making them a part of your family. When Jesus died on the cross, we read in, Ma in, in the Gospel of Matthew, and Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook and the rocks were split. That veil between the rest of the temple and the Holy of Holies, basically the rest of the world and the Holy of Holies, where God's Spirit resided, was there from the conception of the tabernacle in the book of Exodus. And you flip through your Bible all the way up to this point. Through thousands of years of human history. All the way up to Jesus breathing His last breath on the cross. There was this wall of separation from Adam that existed for thousands and thousands of years only to be removed at the death of Christ. As the writer of Hebrews says, all those who put their faith and trust in God could only look from afar and see the fulfillment of those promises, including full peace with God, but they never fully received it. Elder Up read this portion of Scripture for us in prayer meeting on Wednesday as we're in the midst of this Lenten season. From Romans chapter 5, it was reiterated by Dr. Jeremiah this morning. Much more then, having been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. 
For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only this, but we also exalt in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. This perfectly illustrates the peacemaking aspect of the crucifixion. The only reason any of us can be made reconciled to and have full peace with God is because of Jesus' death. Not only that, but there was something else that happened that day. Not only did God make peace with us, only because of his grace and accepting Jesus' sacrifice on our behalf, but because he made peace with us, when Jesus rose from the dead, he defeated that death and made it possible for us to be resurrected physically someday. Once that veil in the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, that separation between humanity and God was never to be again. We could finally enjoy full peace with God. That needed to happen first before Paul could even think of writing under the guidance of the Holy Spirit that peace could be a fruit of the Spirit grown in us. That peace with God, described by Paul as the reconciliation here in Romans 5, is the foundation for the peace that we can have every day. That peace with God had to be the foundation for the peace that we can have every day because according to Galatians 5.22, it's a fruit of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was only poured out on us because of the reconciliation with God by Jesus on the cross. In the Old Testament, only certain people received the Holy Spirit and on a temporary basis. It was only given for certain tasks and then it was removed. But when Jesus died, this is what I want us to see, what we have. When Jesus died, rose again, and ascended back to heaven, the third person of the Trinity, or the Holy Spirit, arrived on earth permanently. He now indwells every believer who puts their faith and trust in what Jesus did for them. This is crucial. This is crucial for having everyday peace. If you don't put your complete faith and trust in Jesus, then you don't get the Holy Spirit. It's as simple as that. If you don't put your full and complete trust in Jesus, then you don't get the Holy Spirit. And if you don't have the Holy Spirit, then you will never have true peace. It will never happen. You will never have true peace. You can't have it both ways. If you don't have peace with God, then you can't have peace from God. And that's the only place you can get it. On the other hand, if you have peace with God, which Scripture says you automatically do when you surrender your life and eternity to Jesus, then you get the Holy Spirit by default. And because you get the Holy Spirit... You can and should have peace every day for the rest of your life. That's what brings us to our third point. Do we have the meaning? Where it comes from? What it is 
the method by which we can even have it in the first place. And thirdly, we have the manifestation. We referenced part of this verse earlier in this message, and now I want to read the whole thing. In 2 Corinthians 3.16. Now, may the Lord of peace, there's that title, Himself continually grant you peace in what? Every circumstance. Not just the ones that feel good. Not just the ones that are going the way that you want them to. Every circumstance, the Lord be with you all. God is a God of peace, both inward and outward. He himself is peace, and his plan is leading towards and will end with peace. As such, God wants to give us both inward and outward peace. This is not peace that we come up with ourselves, no matter how redeemed we are. This is inward peace only because God himself, the Holy Spirit, indwells us inwardly. As such, the Holy Spirit-grown inward peace then leads to outward peace. Peace among ourselves. Peace among our brothers and sisters. Like with joy, as we talked about last week, God wants us to have peace. He's built in us a desire for peace, and He wants us to have peace. We should be the most peaceful people, both inwardly and outwardly, on the planet. Like we talked about last week, if I took all of your friends and the person you're married to and your kids and the people you work with, and I pulled them and I said, is this person a peaceful person, both inwardly and outwardly, what would they say? Would they say, well, no, that person worries all the time. That person has a lot of fear. That person likes to start things with people that don't need to be started. When people think of you, do they think of you as a person who is always fretting, always fearful, always anxious and always upset, always thrown off balance? Or do they think of you as a person who is always in a state of peace? Because God is always in a state of peace. Some people think they need to beat themselves up about past sin and never have peace because of it. But does God want you to be thinking about that? No. Isaiah says, I, even I, am the one who wipes out your transgressions for my own sake. And I will not remember your sins. So if God's not remembering them and God's not thinking about them, why are you thinking about them? Why are you dwelling on them? And why are you allowing those things in the past to steal the peace that God can give to you right now? Some people think they need to fret over and be anxious about things and they don't deserve to feel peaceful. That again, just like what this is the opposite of, is a lie. That is a lie. God wants you to be in a peaceful state about your circumstances. 
That's what God desires for you. You are never to think that you don't deserve peace because God always wants you to have it. God always wants to give it to you in every circumstance. We have a very famous scripture passage that tells us exactly this. Be anxious for nothing. Get that. Hit yourself in the head with that over and over and over and over and over and over again. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And then what's going to happen? And the peace of God, so that real, true, lasting peace, which surpasses all human understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I love that. Will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That word for guard is a word that means a military guard that uses whatever defensive and offensive means necessary to make sure what they're guarding is kept safe. Whatever means necessary. That's what God wants to do and promises to do with our hearts and our minds. Stand militarily guard over your heart in mind. That's a free service as a child of God because He loves you so much. Yet many of us forget about it or ignore it. Why? Why do we do that? Why do any one of us spend one waking moment without the power of God militarily guarding and protecting your peace of mind? Insurance companies thrive on claiming to give you peace of mind, right? But this is an actual ministry of God to give you actual peace of mind. When anxiety first creeps up, don't dwell on it anymore. Use that time to thank God for the things you have to be joyful about, like we talked about last week. Present that anxiety to God and then leave it with Him. Leave it there. Don't try to keep snatching it back out of His hands and mulling it over and spending every waking moment thinking about it, letting it shrivel up the fruits of joy and peace that God wants to grow in you. God makes a promise to you when you do this. He says, do this, and I will personally guard over your heart and mind with the peace that only I can give. Peace that no human can really understand. Why? Because I've reconciled myself to you through your faith in Jesus. And I want to do this for you because I love you so infinitely much. You have nothing to fear. 
You have nothing to be anxious about. You have nothing to worry about. Jesus himself said time and time again, but we always forget about it, time and time again, not to worry and not to fear. Not to worry and not to fear. At the end of his comforting message to his disciples, ironically, just before the darkest hour of the world, Jesus says this. I love these words. Let these words wash over you and renew your spirit. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Because of this, he says, do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. In John chapter 16, these things I've spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation. It's just going to happen. But that's no reason to worry about anything or fear anything. Take courage this is why we don't have to worry about anything or fear anything because I have overcome the world. Amen? The peace that I'm talking about cannot even be understood by, any, by, by us finite human beings. And how could it? It is the most potent form of peace that cannot be overcome and cannot be defeated. As Paul says in 2 Thessalonians, it's effective for every circumstance. And God wants to pour it out on us in every way. The peace that comes from God is as boundless as He is. It knows no limit. It knows no ending of definition. It's as boundless as He is. Since God knows no bounds, His peace knows no bounds. Surrender yourself. Allow yourself to desire and have the peace that only God can give. Don't base it on your circumstances anymore. Get that out of your head. Remove that as the construct upon which you build everything else. It has to be beyond yourself and it has to be beyond your circumstances or else it isn't actually peace. Lasting, surpassing peace must be based on someone outside of yourself, outside of time, outside of space, and outside of human logic. Let Jesus say to your soul right now, Peace, be still. And let his peace wash over you, anchoring you and standing guard over your heart and mind as the Holy Spirit has his sword drawn against anything that threatens to take away that peace. Say to God, I need your protection and your peace. Know that He is giving it to you when you let go of your fears and you let go of your anxieties and you let go of your worries. 
I want to close our time with this very powerful verse from Romans 15. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for these words of truth. Thank you that peace is a fruit of the Spirit. It is something that you want us to have and it is something that only you can give to us. Lord, I pray that we would let go of our fears. We will let go of our worries and we will let go of our anxieties. We would cast ourselves completely on you because we know that you care about us and we know that you love us. Lord, thank you that you have made peace with us so that you can give us peace. And this isn't peace that is based on any circumstance or something that can be easily explained. But Lord, this is your peace. This is boundless, unexplainable, indescribable peace that can only come from you. That is not based on anything except for you. And because you are outside of our circumstances, your peace is outside of our circumstances, and your peace will overwhelm us and flood us and cast all that out. Lord, we thank you that you love us so incredibly much you want to give us peace. So I pray that we would take it, that we would surrender ourselves completely up to the Holy Spirit, growing that peace in us, to let go of the things that steal that peace from us and to allow you to pour out that peace on us so that we will always be in that state. We thank you for guarding over our hearts and minds when we let these things go and give them to you. And we thank you for all the things we have to be joyful about. And I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand as we close.